0: Um. Wait, did you want me to still pull out one of them poems? Oh yeah, yeah, we're
1: oh, gonna girl. do that <laughs> I read them too, I read them this morning I love them both Ugh, That's
0: unfortunate <laughs> I hate them both oh, Are you serious? Mm-hmm. You don't like either of them? I don't write poetry anymore Screenwriting you can hide behind your characters And right. poetry is like, ooh, everybody knows how you really feel
1: <laughs> And that's why you don't mm-hmm. write poetry? Because mm-hmm. of
0: the vulnerability yes. and the exposure Yes
1: that's why you don't but that's the whole point of poetry kind of For <laughs> hiding. Okay. Oh, yeah. We ain't hiding no more. Today okay. on the show, screenwriter and painter Kafia Hailey. Welcome to the I'm Simply Artistic Podcast by Salida Williams. I'm Salida Williams, and I'm glad that you could join me. Then the I saw worst thing you bare your soul is the last thing. For the first speak some first truth hey this is the perfect interview for you to listen to as we close out one year and prepare for another one um you know, this is the time of year where so many people decide to make resolutions, to set goals, to pursue dreams, and I really can't think of another interview worth sharing at this pivotal moment in time more than coffee is. Uh, I'm not going to reveal too much in this, this intro I'm giving you now. Just please listen to it, and I truly hope that you are inspired. Um <laughs> Once you hear the leaps and the bounds and the risks and the sacrifices she made um, to be artistic herself, I hope that it, it helps to open the doors for you as well to um, throw caution to the wind and to follow what you believe God has placed in your heart to do, even if it, if it doesn't look like what everybody else thinks that you should do um I, I think that's enough intro for now so without further ado here's my interview with kafia kafia yes ma'am oh man <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> all right let me tell you something first of all welcome to the show thank you welcome to the i'm simply artistic podcast so glad you're here this i was excited for this interview and for a few reasons. First of all, I didn't feel the need to like do all this prep beforehand. Like I'm really excited about getting to know you. Like, that's how I feel about okay. you. Okay, yes. okay. <laughs> I mean, we we were at a party, right? Mm-hmm. And we just started chatting, and I was like, hold up, hold up. There's so much about your story. That I don't know. Mm-hmm. And even just you in general, we didn't know each other right. when we were at school. Same year. Yeah. Graduated from Spelman. Same year. We're rocking a shirt. Oh, let me get a picture. That is hilarious. Yes. Yes. Let's get a picture so I can uh, post this. joint. Right. Oh, yeah. With the cheese. Okay. Okay. Spelman College, 2002. Didn't know each other. Kind of through a mutual friend. Have crossed paths mm-hmm. occasionally since the eight, 16 years ago. Right, that we right. We graduated. Right. Um, and now I'm just kind of catching wind of like your story and your artistic journey. It's just crazy. So I was excited because I was like, we just go and chat it up. Yeah, because we
0: have fun at that party. And I'm like, wait, I want to keep talking. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. We had to cut it short. Um, because I just want to, I just, I don't even know fully where to start, except just to have you introduce yourself however you feel comfortable Ooh, girl. and not yeah. we're not getting to your story just i just want you to like who,
0: who i already I feel talking. like she's gonna be like now we're gonna be vulnerable Uh, uh <laughs> uh-oh. 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 Be, <laughs> i mean and i already learned i listen to your podcast i know what you're doing <laughs> you're not gonna be barbara Walters up in here i don't, like my do, I don't do anything uh-huh. i just sit here she asks questions we gonna ask questions back really? cool. okay. <laughs> first of all this is my show okay <laughs> I, I, <laughs> okay see how do I introduce myself um from yeah. Atlanta Atlanta, all right youngest of four okay um, I am a filmmaker first most people know me as an artist but I am a filmmaker okay first and foremost writer director producer um, not because I love producing but because I had to learn to produce in yeah. order to make my films okay and art was just something that helped me to relax uh, in between jobs like when I was I was working for the Pentagon and came back from Iraq and couldn't find work I know <laughs> Too much. Like Not, not <laughs> what I thought I would be doing after I graduated, um, but okay. I couldn't find work, and I was like, I'm not deploying anymore, and the only job offers I was getting was to go to Iraq or Afghanistan. I said, I'm done with that, but I couldn't hang out anymore because I didn't have any money, yeah. and it, it took like six months for me to find a job, and I just, I needed to do something, and I found a canvas and set of paints in my closet, And I know I must have bought them. I don't know when or why, but I just said, okay, I'm going to paint something. And I just, I felt so alone because I didn't have money to hang out with my friends. My family wasn't there. And so I painted a picture of a family. And then it just, it helped me to not feel so alone. And that's how I got into painting. Um, But the whole time I was doing that, I was still screenwriting because that's my baby. So again, as much as people know me as an artist, I'm happy about that. But if I leave this world without people knowing me as a filmmaker, then I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. Mm, That's still like the core passion. That's what I have. That's what I'm here for. Okay.
1: Okay. See, so much in that just little bit that you gave, but I feel like my introduction to you, especially artistically, was the painting. Mm-hmm. Like we're at Reunion and they're auctioning off one of your amazing you. paintings and artworks and we'll post that and I'll put some on my website too. But um, it was just like, who is this? <laughs> Wait a minute. For those, for anybody doesn't know about Atlanta University Center, Spellman, there is an iconic woman there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Dr. Johnson. Mm-hmm who has been playing in Sister's Chapel since, I don't know. I think
0: 1953.
1: Oh, my goodness. I know it was before I was born. Right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, 1953. She doesn't look a day over 40 or something. Mm -hmm. She hasn't changed in her features or anything in the years that have passed. And you were able to capture her posture, (laughs) her hair, like... The glisten in her hair, <laughs> and her sitting at that organ in Sisters Chapel, wonderfully. I will have an image of thank this so at the website, but it was like awesome, and that was my introduction to you. Okay. So then, unbeknownst to you, I went. I was like doing a little cyber searching. I'm glad. Yes, thank yes, you. yes. Back in the day, this was some years ago. This is like our our tenure when you okay. we were hosting, I think.
0: Um, that picture wasn't the one auction. Right, I did um, Ceremony and Sisterhood with the two girls outside the arch.
1: Yes, two little girls, um, um, future Spelmanites. Mm -hmm. And I went to your website, but your website was all about filmmaking. Uh And I was like, hold up, am I at the right site? (laughs) Like, I don't know, (laughs) like, whose site am I at? Mm Because I I don't know what was going on. And then, back up further, that's not even what you majored in, that's not how you, like, that's not what you started, so... Talk about you going to Spelman and your thought process with the major you chose and just just oh, okay. tell us about that.
0: So I grew up in Atlanta in Sandy Springs okay. at North Springs High School. Okay. And my school was diverse. However, I was one of maybe two or three black people in most of my classes and sometimes the only one. Okay. And I felt it. Mm. Uh, not from the students. I love my classmates. It was from sometimes from teachers and definitely from parents. And my last year there... I wrote an article about the racism that I had experienced at oh, the school, okay. and because I was on the school newspaper staff, a parent called to complain. Um, I think like <laughs> I was I was student council president, homecoming queen, and my brother called me his Trojan horse because he had gone to school there, and he's like, "You did all the stuff that we couldn't do." Yeah, and so he was just excited about it. He was over at Morehouse. And he was telling me, like, oh, you should go to Spelman. I knew my family wanted me to go to Spelman. I wanted to get as far away from Georgia as possible. <laughs> yes. And I got tired of hearing my brother talk about Morehouse so much. I said, I am not <laughs> going to Spelman. I wanted to go to NYU for film or UCLA. Okay. And then... For film? Yeah, just for film. Okay. Uh, so I was obsessed with movies. I was working while I was in high school. And, girl, I was working at Starbucks trying to save up money for college. And I would come home every night and watch a movie every night. Usually a Robert De Niro film. Oh. But I was just obsessed with movies. I had a movie notebook. My dad had gone to Blockbuster video and gotten their binder with the list of every movie they ever had. And so we were just checking them off. Like every Wait a minute, time you could get something. a binder? Yeah, we well, could This is how my dad is. <laughs> it's like we're gonna get this. Oh
1: my goodness, I didn't know this was a thing. Right?
0: Okay. So we were just checking off, like we're gonna watch every movie. Of course yeah. we didn't, but so I was trying just a, yeah. exactly so I'm obsessed <laughs> with film, but then senior year, just the racism that I had to deal with at school got to be too much. So when this parent called and complained about me writing about racism that I experienced and I said that I wanted to go to Spelman because I wanted to be around my culture, to Mm -hmm. appreciate my culture and that's it. And not have to fight. I want to be able to learn without having to deal with racism, racism constantly. Yeah. And my teacher was so upset. He said, you're kicked off the newspaper staff, which was a class. So he's like, you're kicked out the class. Don't come back to class. I will give you an A, Just never show up again. Whoa. And I'm like, I'm still thinking I'm a kid. Like, why do I have to deal with this as a kid? So I was just roaming around the hallways. I'm like, I'm, I should be getting detention for just walking around people knew, but it was just like, you can't come back here. So I found one of the few African American teachers there, okay. uh, Kevin Cole, who was an art teacher. Okay, And he said, come hang out in my classroom, oh which my was great. Thank you, Mr. Cole. Uh, <laughs> yes. And so two of my friends who are artists were in that class too. And so I would just sit with them and they would draw and sketch. And I wasn't really picking up on anything. I wasn't seeing myself as an artist, but it was just a comfortable feeling being around other artists and a safe yeah. environment.
1: Yeah. Hold on. So <laughs> Something you said made me think of, like, I came from, well, the story of the black girl that was the one mm-hmm. or the, yes. the, the one of two or whatever from their, you know, high school or town going to Spelman is the typical story. Right. That is like the the... The majority of Spelman women are coming from that background, Mm -hmm. which blew my mind because I grew up in Baltimore. I grew up in a black neighborhood, black high school. You know, like my experience was black before coming Mm -hmm. to Spelman. And I remember that it was just such a culture shock thing for me because I don't think I assumed... (laughs) So many Black people coming to one space mm-hmm. are coming from white spaces, right? Right. Like I only knew my experience was, w- which was another Black space for me. Mm-hmm. So to interact with you all blew my mind because you were you were bringing something, a, a twang in your voice, <laughs> a, a style of clothing, um, all kinds of stuff that I just. I didn't understand at mm-hmm. all. But
0: y'all understood each other. I was That's so like, funny. Yeah. Because I am i didn't know that there were other people like that who had gone to predominantly white yes. schools or have been in white classrooms. And so it made me question myself all the time. Like, am I black? Am I really black? And then you yeah. get to Spelman and it's every kind of black person. Every and you're like,
1: kind of black. we're all black, period. With extreme levels of diversity. Girl, yes. Like <laughs> women from the islands, mm-hmm. women from the mother country, mm-hmm. like women from all kinds of countries all over the world, black women. Um, And then, of course, women from all over the USA, but from white space, Mm -hmm. which shapes you differently. You know, it shapes you in in such a way like where my experience and yours are going to be completely different, Mm -hmm. but we look the same, you know, and it's just like understanding that. I remember I really had to grow up my freshman year because I didn't. Um, it was just it was just an exposure that I I didn't have. Mm-hmm. But this is a little sidebar because when you say oh I was the only one, I was like yeah, quadulin was the only oh, one yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, so many were the only mm-hmm. ones from the the place that they came. So how did it feel coming to Spelman and being in this immersed in this black mecca all of a sudden? So
0: there's good and bad to it okay. overall love my school yeah uh the difference was because I had not been around so many different types of black folks I met bougie black folks that I had never met before (laughs) I was like this is the thing I learned that all black people don't think the same yeah uh so I met yeah people who had generations of parents and grandparents and great-grandparents in college yeah I was like really the like black folks were doing this back then (laughs) so you learn so much The um, ignorance is just blown out of the water. Yeah, exactly. Water. <laughs> because you think, like, I'm like, I know Black history, but then I didn't know all these details. I didn't know all these things that Black folks were able to do in the South. Like yeah. coming out of slavery, you all were still able to do all these things. Um, but it's still, you have to try and find your place, like where you fit in, like where your group is. Right, right. And then as you get older, you find out like we're we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. You know that there's different types of Black folks, but you have like, yeah, we're all just we're united. Yeah um so it took me a couple of weeks to kind of adjust the first two weeks because we're learning the history yes. and my mom reminds me that i called her and was like why are they making me do this it's, it's like being online being indoctrinated girl for real yes where you <laughs> had to learn the history and get yes. 50 signatures to prove you knew your history and so yes bad. oh my gosh girl. you forgot about that i ain't gonna forget that oh my goodness <laughs> that's it's so true remember it was like if you don't get your signatures you can't go to the block party and i was yes. like there's a party and i might not go <laughs> like this is unacceptable. So that was the part that yeah. was the part that was stressful for me because I'm like, this isn't I thought school is just you go to class. That's it. Right, and then I right. realized, like, no, no, this is about developing the whole person. So yeah. once I got past those first two weeks, I'm like, all right, this is having every single day I was having fun and I was doing my work. Yeah, but I was just happy. It, it was it's there's nothing I've experienced like that ever again, where it's just constant fun and yeah. enjoyment.
1: Yeah, I, I remember. um you know, Spelman was the place where I experienced someone that had all kinds of wealth mm-hmm. like, that I didn't know existed. Right, <laughs>
0: exactly. But
1: all kinds of poverty, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I had one, you know, classmate that was driving a Jaguar, and I had another one that couldn't even afford the com- a comforter for her bed. Right. Like, she just had a sheet, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it. You know, it was just
0: like, whoa, right. we're all in this same, you know, spot together. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. What did you choose to major in? <laughs> So I was going to be an English major. Um, I was in the honors program and we had to take a philosophy class. Okay. And I was scared of philosophy, but I said, if Spellman thinks I can do it, all right, I guess I can do it. And my teacher was James Winchester. And we had an assignment. Oh, it's two, two things that made a huge impact on me. One, we had an assignment where we were reading Plato and it was like a series of short stories. And for our final exam, he said, you can answer this exam question or you can write the final chapter of the book.
1: I was like, oh, this is in high school. school? No, no, no. This, this is at is, this, this is is film. Uh-huh. OK.
0: And I was like, I can write a chapter of somebody's story like this. I can do creative writing and get a grade on it. Yes, that's great. Yes. So that and then it was another assignment where I, like I kept getting B's on different assignments in his class and he wrote on the back of my paper, you will continue to get B's until you use the word I. Mm. And I was like, oh, my voice matters here. And, and that's it. So I switched from yes. English to philosophy. Okay, start out English because you're thinking
1: I get to write, but you you weren't pulling on your own voice. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Because
0: all I remember from high school is you can't speak in the first person. That's not proper for the type of writing that we do. And yeah. in philosophy class, he's like, no, your voice matters here. And it. I just felt so free. I was so excited. It, it allowed me to write. Yeah.
1: Okay, so how does a philosophy major
0: <laughs> get a job?
1: Get... <laughs> well yes but in the pentagon, Mm -hmm. like oh oh, how do how do
0: how what
1: i need to i just fill in the gaps okay how do you get how do you graduate from spelman with a philosophy degree
0: what happens after that (laughs) oh girl that was sad uh so i always remember (laughs) oh my gosh did you go to grad school i did but i remember right when we were graduating spelman i was applying to law school okay I applied to three different law schools. September 11th happened our senior year. And that's when it messed
1: up a lot of stuff. It messed up stuff for me, too. Girl,
0: yes. But a a lot of things came together where I was dealing with like the racism from high school. Yeah. And then looking at the Islamophobia that was about to start happening because of 9-11. And I said, I want to do something to impact this. So I wanted to go to school for international relations. But I also wanted to go to law school. So I applied to Harvard. I got waitlisted. listed. I was like, "What do they mean? I'm waitlisted." <laughs> like, no. And, I mean, I literally, girl, I have my bags packed because I'm one of these people. I take faith very seriously, and so yeah. it's not just like sitting, hoping, waiting for yeah, something like, to I'm happen. And I'm gonna exactly. act like I'm going and I'm right. Put right. All my you stuff get together. ready for yes. it. My suitcases were packed. Yeah, I called Harvard, oh and I was like, "So you all said I'm on the wait list, and this is like a week before classes start." However, I'm ready to go, <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "No," and I was like, "Why not?" they like, we don't have enough seats in the classroom. I'm like, I'll bring a chair. Because that's just how serious yes. I was. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, what were you looking for? And they were like, this is what we need, someone with good grades, like service to their community. Cool. I got that. What else? Mm-hmm. They're just like, no, you're, you're not coming. Oh, and
1: goodness. I was
0: so heartbroken. Oh. So glad I didn't go now. But I was so heartbroken. And so I took a day to just sit up and cry. And then I went to look for a job. I'm like, I'm. And I had gotten into grad school at the Fletcher School at Tufts, which is for international relations. Okay. But they usually don't take people right out of undergrad. You usually have to have a couple of years of professional experience, especially overseas. It costs money to go get some experience overseas. I'm like, I don't have money to even get a plane ticket to go to another country to get a job there. Yeah. So I had to work at a daycare center, which hurt my feelings so badly (laughs) because it's not what I wanted to do. I'm like, this was not my plan in life. Um, girl and I'm, I'm gonna be like just blunt like kids who did not know how to use the bathroom and they're like coffee we need you to handle this like for real like this is not what I want to do and I was so sad so I did that okay and then I knew I was gonna be going to grad school in Boston the following year so I just started looking for jobs up there so okay. I got hired to work at a private school they kind of created a position for me. They had a black teacher, their first black homeroom teacher had been hired, had a PhD, had been teaching 18 years. Parents were not comfortable with him being there. Uh, And from what I heard, they actually had staged uh, different people to be in front of his classroom to keep an eye on him and had a phone tree to call in case there was a problem. And he was like, I'm out. So, and it was, there was a newspaper article about it. So I think to kind of fix that, I was brought in. But I wasn't given my own classroom. I was given um, the after school program to help kids who are struggling in academics. And they all just, for the most part, happened to be students of color or the ones who weren't rich. So all of that, I mean, this gets me to international affairs in the Pentagon. But the thing I had to learn is to still find a way to use what God gave me in that place. And even though it wasn't my plan, no way did I plan on being there but there was a young lady african-american who i mentored when she was there in fourth grade yeah still in touch with that young lady today um and i could not be proud of her she wound up getting a degree a master's in cybersecurity. this girl and it's i'm like okay god i get it now this is why i needed to be there for that time or else i would not have met her all those years ago
1: right but how does that get you to the the Pentagon
0: Pentagon. (laughs) oh okay sorry girl I get all, all but, but
1: But I, hold on. I, I am hearing, though, because I think I thought that you focused on something else while you were in school. And then some point out of school decided, no, I'm actually an artist or a filmmaker. And I, I need to do that. But I'm hearing there was a continuity. Like, you knew what you were passionate about mm-hmm. going I mean, into undergrad.
0: Yeah. for It was always about, it was actually about teaching people to respect another culture yeah because that's coming from that racism and then september 11th and so then that's what got me into international affairs and i was very like anti-war like i was a hippie going into school (laughs) but But was like so many others you were in good right right. it was (laughs) so so funny and then i'm working at the pentagon But I just realized if the military is going to be here, they need to understand about different cultures. And one of the movies that really impacted me was Battle of Algiers, and it was a film about the Algerian Revolution. Uh, but the Black Panthers used it in Chicago as like training for what they needed to do. The military was using it at the same time that I was at the Pentagon about this is how you need to interact with a different culture. Okay. So I was. But what
1: is even the job? What is the yeah. job? Like you're te- you're you were teaching like at a homeroom or something. And then, what is the position that you're like? I'm qualified to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. Like, That's what was a the good job question, description? Like? Girl.
0: <laughs> so, here's what I do. I like to make my own path when yes. I go places. So, okay. So, coming out of grad school, I studied, um, like, focused on Southwest Asia, basically like that region, the Middle East. Okay. And interviewed for a job at Booz Allen, which required a security clearance, which is great. You get a security clearance, yeah, it opens more doors for you. So, I worked for the Treasury Department. Doing like so, you work on contract. Basically, you jump from project to project. So, Treasury. I was working on terrorist financing, looking at people in Afghanistan and Iraq who are kidnapping locals there, and then using the ransom money to buy weapons to go and fight U.S. military. So, I was tracing that and then uh, helping them to be able to freeze those assets. I know this is crazy. (laughs) What What are you thinking? What are you thinking?
1: I I just my mind is so blown. Like, okay, hold on, hold on. But hold on. When you're in grad school, Mm -hmm. your mind is, I'm going to help others see people of different cultures. Like, I'm going to help bridge the gap between you and me. Yeah, I have no
0: idea how that's going to happen. But that is the goal. Yes. Okay.
1: But how does that translate into, you are going to help
0: us trace... terrorists that are kidnapping people and because well, I, jo- well, I needed a job well first off because i needed a job so i didn't understand the thing is because i understand now why fletcher wanted people to have a couple of years of professional experience yeah. i had no idea i just knew is there a revolution i want to be there i want to help people understand <laughs> but, what's but going on but they took you mm-hmm. but that's the thing like they were like yeah sure you're the one i really don't know okay but God, i mean i know I, I didn't realize how much it doesn't make sense <laughs> until now, until now. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I'm because like, because a some... lot of people from my class didn't have jobs coming right out. I had a job no, waiting neither. for me when I came out of grad school. Oh Which, gosh. again, does yeah does not make sense. But God like must have known yes. where I was supposed yes. to go. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense that I would wind up there. Um. But that wasn't even my interest. Like, terrorist financing, I'm like, that doesn't fit with what I want to do. Yeah, that doesn't fit in, I'm helping you bridge the... Does it help? Does it... Did it... No. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> not but at all.
1: So you bounce around in... Federal government, yeah, for
0: not not for long because I don't. It wasn't what I was supposed to do. So yeah. I'm sitting at my desk one day. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go ahead and tell everything. This is the funny thing. So I'm hmm. now this is real bad. So I'm sitting at my desk one day and okay. I I'm looking for new jobs and I see a job with a Defense Intelligence Agency. Never heard of them before. Okay, think of CIA, but they're focused on helping the military. Okay, so they start like the job description talks about culture and i was like oh i don't exactly know what this is but it said culture and it's dealing with the middle east i think i want that so they have a job fair this is so bad so i go (laughs) i go to the job fair um and i'm thinking you just drop drop off your resume yeah no you drop off your resume and they're like if we like it we're gonna have you stay for the interview and then we'll bring you to the next part and the next part so it's an all-day thing and if you step out for a moment And they've called your name, you're out. You're done. However, I'm supposed to be at work. (laughs) So I didn't have a chance to call in and be like, hey
1: i'm not coming in right, today because they just kept moving on exactly
0: along. so my job is looking for me like oh <laughs> my there's one other black woman at the job like so as soon as i left like they told me i had the job and i was like great so i leave and i called the one other black woman there and i was like girl and she's like they are looking for you <laughs> especially and i didn't think of it like you have a clearance like somebody might think that you've oh, been right, kidnapped right right i was like uh oh and right. i was like well let me, let me play like I'm sick. And I was like, here, I'm going to practice it out on you. See how it sounds. <laughs> so she's on the bus, and I'm, I'm going, <clears throat> hello, <laughs> hello. Right then, the call drops, and my supervisor calls. At the same time, I'm going, hello, how does that sound? He's like, "Coffee," it? And I'm like, <gasps> Uh, hello? <laughs> what is going on right it's now? It's the worst. Um, this an escapade. It, everything is. That's the other thing I learned. If you're a writer, like everything weird happens to you. So you have stories yes, to tell. Yes, you have stories to tell. Yeah. It's the worst. So yeah, so I pretended I was sick and then miraculously came in the next day and was like, hey, I have a job offer, but I need you to write a letter of recommendation. And they did it. Nobody ever made the connection. I don't know why not. But anyway, <laughs> so that's what got me to the Pentagon and they kind of let me do what I want. Like they said, do you want to focus on, it was a rock office. And they yeah. said, do you want to focus on politics or security? And I said, tribes and culture. And my supervisor said, then you have six months to be the smartest person in this office on tribes and culture. And I said, okay.
1: Dude, oh my goodness. I could learn so much from you. Oh, I am learning so much because (laughs) there's just, there's a confidence there and a boldness and just a lack of fear for saying, you know, what's in your heart and what's
0: in your gut. Like gross fear. No, there's fear. There's a lack of confidence. It's for me, I'm afraid of a lot of things. Okay. I get annoyed by the things that I can't reach. I'm not willing to accept the fact that I can't reach it. So I'm afraid but I fight past that fear anyway and there's moments where I don't have confidence definitely when I went to film school confidence just was like stripped from me yeah because you're in a different environment it's not it's it can be more competitive in different ways and especially I was one of the older people there yeah and it's like being on a reality show where it's a a mind game sometimes where people are like trying to boost themselves by letting you know that you're not as good as what you know you are so you have to get away from that so it's It's having that faith in God and saying, "If this is where you want me to be, I need you to give me the strength to be here. Help me to hear you and focus on you, and then putting yourself around people that are going to support you."
1: Okay, so film school came later, Mm -hmm. right? All right, so how long were you bouncing around the Pentagon and traveling to? How was that going overseas and
0: um,
1: traveling to? Let me finish this. Yeah, traveling to Afghanistan and Iraq, or just just Iraq? Iraq, Yeah, okay, just Iraq.
0: Okay, Um, how was it? life-changing okay um so i was with the federal government for seven years uh a i was there for four months that made me grow up super fast okay uh, i don't know exactly what i expected but nothing could have prepared me for it um yeah there's no other way to say it except i had to grow up and it the bad part was i had to become very numb to certain things like Maybe my first week there, you hear, like, there's a mortar attack. And so you feel the ground shake. Uh And one of my friends asked me before, he said, well, I've been in a neighborhood where you hear, like, shooting, and I wasn't really scared. And I said, it's different when you know that, like, people are aiming it at you. It's not just random gunfire. It's no people want you dead. Uh, So that was very scary. But I I just learned to grow up, but I also learned to break rules. I I guess I always have, but... (laughs) (laughs) But it just made me I, I really wanted to try and follow rules and then there were rules that didn't make any sense okay um like if when i was there i was there as a expert on tribes and reconciliation reconciliation being people that were fighting the u.s government or iraqi government and we said we need to be able to work with these people let's figure out what they need and how we can work together with them so and so my job was to kind of identify those people that we could work with uh, and sometimes they were just fighting the U.S. government because they kind of felt cornered. Like I don't have a choice. I've got Al Qaeda coming after me. I've got my government coming after right, me. Right. And so we'd say, "What is it that you actually need so we can give you the security that makes you feel comfortable and we can eventually get out of here?" Yeah. Um, and so I would go to. I would just meet different people who were in the military, but they were reservists. So they weren't working on these issues twenty four seven the way that I was working on it at the Pentagon. Okay. And so they'd say, "Can you help us? Can you come down here and answer questions for us?" Sure. Except where I was, you could you could borrow a car but only for 30 minutes. So I would have 30 minutes to get down to a meeting, have the meeting and get back to the base. It doesn't make any sense at all. No. Right, it doesn't okay. make any sense and that was just the rule.
1: Borrowing car from a ba- from, from the, the base from yeah. the base, you only had 30 minutes
0: mm-hmm. to use the vehicle, which makes no sense at all and there was like no way around it. So I broke rules. <laughs> so I would so bad. I would check out the names, the car, and different people's names. Not actual people's names, just make it up. Like I had a, a guy. So f-
1: each person had 30 minutes, so you would get a well, hour that, and a half for.
0: yeah. So that person <laughs> would be gone. So I would be gone as somebody else for an hour and yes. a half. Come back with the car, and they're like, Look, the name we made up was Andrea. Like, Andrea, you're not allowed to drive for like the na- okay, cool. Andrea <laughs> lost her car privileges. What about Carla? Can she have car privileges? Nobody has to see my ID. And so it was, it was bad because I really wanted to follow rules, but I think that oh was the lesson gosh. I got there is I will follow rules. It, I don't even know what it was. Bro. It was so silly. <laughs> so it was so silly. Because <laughs> I remember the guy in charge of cars when he came up to the office and he was looking, he's like, is Andrea here? And I'm like, how do you not see me right here? <laughs> I was like, I got to go to the PX to the store. I'll be right back. You guys And was just out. Um, but I, I wanted to do my job. And so I started yes. breaking rules in order to be effective. Yes, yes, yes. Did you feel effective? by the time? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Absolutely not. Um, no, no, because what I did a lot of time was making PowerPoint slides. And one of the things that got to me was when I met a tribal leader, um, and he showed me his car where a militia had shot up his car because he had been coming to the U S military base. And he's like, I need you to help me. And then the interpreter, who was a Iraqi American, was like, Can you help them? And I was like, You all don't understand what I do. I I draft reports <laughs> and yeah. PowerPoint slides. And they're like, no, you can help. And I was like, I really all I can do is tell people things. I can't make anybody do anything. Yeah. And and so I really did go through a pretty serious depression when I came back from Iraq. Um, I wound up going to another job that was training me to deploy on and off every four months. And I didn't. I realized that was just me feeling so ineffective. I was like, I got to go back. I got to help people. Yeah. And the training for that job was so crazy um, that finally something clicked. And I, like every day just to be able to go to that job, I was there was this gospel song I would just lean on because it was so stressful. It was the only woman there, sexual harassment, like yeah. out of control, yeah. only African American there, one of... Like, two (laughs) civilians. Okay. It was so stressful, and I said, this is not who I am. This is not the spirit of who I am. So I quit. And that was that six-month period of not being able to find any work other than, we want you to go to Iraq, or we want you to go to Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And I forgot who I was. I said, I don't know what makes me happy anymore. And I just was numb to a lot. So... I wound up getting a really small notebook, and I said, every time I smile, I'm going to write down what made me happy. And I'm going to write down everything I can think of that I would be willing to do if nobody paid me. And mm. that list was so short, it scared me, because I was like, wait, this is very limited. And the things that made me smile were TV and film, and the thing i do, whether or not I got paid, was writing.
1: Okay. And I said, I'm
0: going to write my first screenplay. So that's what got me into writing. And then being too broke to go anywhere is when I started painting. So all of that happened at the same time. And that was 2010. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, 2009.
1: So many, like, wonderful nuggets you just pulled out there that I I really hope people are listening to just that that idea of what would you do if... um, like what would you spend your time on even if you weren't getting paid to do it and what makes you smile like such a simple thing that kind of became a really profound like this is what I need to be doing with my life Mm -hmm. sort of you know moment that you had so you know you need to write you know you need to do something with film Mm -hmm. so how do you start making moves in those steps in in those areas
0: So, I just started writing the first things that came to mind. And so, the first script I wrote was about a woman who's got a a mother who's dying and she's at a job that she hates and she really wants to quit it to become an artist. And the funny thing is, I made her an artist because I wasn't, I hadn't just started doing art. And I said, if I make her an artist, nobody will know it's about me because if there's one thing I would never be in this world, (laughs) it's an artist. It's an artist. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. So I wrote that script and I just uh, I Googled different things about script formatting. I didn't have script formatting software. And then I called one of my friends from Morehouse um, and he and I had connected back in school because we both were obsessed with film. And I knew that he had gone to film school. So I said, read my script. Tell me what you think he likes to be extra. So he's like, it's horrible, but keep at it. And I was like, whatever. Not, li-. And that's where you have to have that confidence as a creative person, yeah. because everyone has a different opinion yeah. about your Everybody's work.
1: Everyone's going to critique it. Exactly. Oh my gosh.
0: And especially people who can't do what you can right, do. Like right, right. But they got it. strong
1: opinions. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I just had to say, uh, okay, whatever. I yeah. know this is what I need to do. I'm going to keep going. So um, what I told myself is I, I can't find a job right now. My money is like almost over with like I'm at the end when I finish this script that's when I'll find a job and it's kind of like I made a deal with God I was like when this is done because this is what you want me to do I need a job within two or three days of me finishing writing that script I got a phone call for a job back at the pentagon dust job I wouldn't have to go anywhere
1: okay Okay. I was
0: like all right thank you so but I know I'm supposed to do this other thing so I take the job but I start looking for ways that I can still get my writing out and I found the Washington DC Black Theater Festival and I okay. said, okay, I'm going to, I don't understand how this works, but I'm going to try it. So I wrote another, I wrote a play this time, submitted it, got into the festival and they're like, all right, you're in, you can do a staged reading. I was like, great. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <What> <laughs> I have that no idea. So, <laughs> so I hired somebody. I just, I found someone on Craigslist who was a director and I was like, Hey, Whoa. do you, you want to direct it? And yeah. he was like. No, girl. This is this is again. (laughs) I was thinking this is scrappy. You're getting your team together. No, No. it's it's, It was still me being safe because I thought maybe I want to direct, but I'm scared. Yeah. So let me call this other person. Oh, I see. Yeah. You should have
1: done the exactly. And that was
0: the thing is like I would where you say I look fearless. it's I would take a big leap that looks like it's fearless and then. But I wouldn't go as far as I was supposed to. I'd be like, no, I'm look, God, I did enough. Let's just sit right here. Yes. So, I know. yeah, and I, but I had to get out of it. And that's what I realized is every time I do that, guys, like, we're going to make this difficult until you do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So I hired the director. I have auditions, never auditioned actors before. Um, I called one of my friends who's an actor. This, this is how I actually got like the leap of faith. I said, I want to be a writer. I'm not really a writer, but I'm going to create a website. That's the one that you saw. Yes. I'm going to create business cards that say I'm a writer. Yes. And so I went to Chicago for my friend's birthday and met her friend who's an actor, Kamal Bolden. He's been on a bunch of shows. Um, He's on Chicago Fire. Um, Kamal's the bomb and I can't wait to work with him. But I'm just meeting him for the first time and he's like, so what do you do? (laughs) I was like, I'm a writer. Like, Let's just test this out. And he's like, oh, I'm an actor. And I was like, really? (laughs) So we kept in touch. So... I'm getting ready to do this play and he's telling me like helping me figure out like how to audition actors and so we had auditions i've got them hired i've got the director the director doesn't show up for the first couple of auditions or first couple of rehearsals so i have to do it myself so i called Kamal and i was like hey i'm thinking about directing these actors do you think i should and he gave me the pep talk that i needed and i was paying this director who didn't show up and so i said hey like you gotta go and yeah. he went off on me And I was like, I got to be okay with it. Everybody's not going to like me, but he was hired to do a job he didn't do do and that I should have done, but was too afraid to do. Can't tell you how much fun it was directing those actors. So much fun. Yeah. And this is, I was still going to work every day, but I was producing too. I didn't realize that because I was finding locations for us to rehearse. I was getting like the music stands for them to put their scripts on. And I was like, this feels good. So that was my first time really getting into that, um, into the the filmmaking yeah this was i didn't really understand how to get to the filmmaking because i didn't have film equipment or anything but i was like let me at least get my words in front of people yeah how, how did it go great okay. great uh Kwajalein, our mutual friend actually came up yes quadulin's so helpful quadulin was like I, you know she just steps into action she doesn't sit and watch quadulin setting <laughs> yes, up music does, stands so and all this does. my my parents love her and soul that's, ride or die they're, exactly they're yeah. like that's your look at that that's your, that's your friend that's a good <laughs> friend over there um but, and my brother was helping and, yeah. and family flew up from Texas. Um, but it was it was just wonderful seeing it and then also to watch it next to my parents. It felt yeah. great. And my mother just had her eyes trained on the stage and she was like, I'm doing so well not to cry right now. <laughs> and my father couldn't look. There was a scene where like this character is talking about what it means for him to be a man and to not be able to take care of his family. And, and my dad was like, how did you know that's what what it feels like yeah. and, it, and I was so excited and it just helped me realize how much I want people to feel and so all that comes back to the work that I do in terms of bridging the gap between cultures is if you make people feel then they get past what they think is different about them
1: yes well, how how did you transition From that into Like did you actually Have you made film
0: mm-hmm.
1: Since then and Yeah How did so, you get Into the first one ooh,
0: So this is another One of those things Where uh, <clears throat> you're sitting still you, And you're like I'm comfortable And God's like That ain't good enough Stop <laughs> it So I'm sitting at my job At the Pentagon Yeah and, still
1: sitting In the desk job But you're doing This artistic stuff On the side Yes you're, you're being able To scratch that itch
0: And even calling in To work sick Because I wanted To finish a painting Like <laughs> I really Want to yes. do this painting So like oh I can't make yes. it And it was because I wasn't Doing work that really had an impact the way I wanted it to. We were we weren't dealing with current problems; it was with problems that might happen in the future.
1: I also want to highlight quickly though when you're traveling overseas and doing all this work because I think you told me this, but you're in that six-figure realm. Like you know, life is cushy a little bit. Girl, life was good. Okay, (laughs) all right, life was good. No, when I came back from
0: Iraq, (laughs) I took my family on vacation. You took your family to Italy for a week and a half. Yeah. It ain't happened since. It's gonna <laughs> happen again. But, you,
1: but you, you did your part. You did I your did. part for that, for that season. And it felt great. But the dust job,
0: was that a significant <laughs> pay decrease? Girl, no, my pay went up. So. Are you serious? Yeah, so when what? I left that job, I was getting paid $104,000 a year. It was nice. The dust job? Yes. Okay, can I get a dust job at the Pentagon? I can't get that dust job no more. Can I work, can I work it remotely? <laughs> Girl. I mean, I should have. I, I wasn't i, I really was p- playing on facebook like there if you go back <laughs> oh my god people knew what i was doing like i i was acting up i remember one post i was like if you all see harriet tubman let her know where i am my things are packed and i'm ready to go <laughs> because i just wanted it out because oh it was so god. useless and i remember my supervisor was like you need to start wearing suits here every day i <laughs> need you to dress professional. right and <laughs> i said it was something really trifling like I'm dressed for the job that I want, not the job I have. Like, oh my <laughs> I was being a <clears> jerk. <throat> I was like, somebody get me out of here. <laughs> because they, there really wasn't anything for me to do. And I told my boss, he was like, how do you like it here? And I said, you all don't have enough for me to do. Yeah. And he's like, don't ever say that again. He's right. <laughs> like, hey, I'm trying to help you out. Like, here's a resource. What do you want me to do? And it's right. they really didn't have enough to do. So I said, okay, then I'm just going to do my art. And I'm going to read scripts all day. And so I was reading scripts. And I was going home to paint. And I thought about film school and I said, because I don't know how to make films. So if you want to take a leap from this really well-paying job where you don't have to do anything all day to something big, you've got to have the training for it. And so I, I wrote my application for film school and got scared and didn't send it, which is so unlike me because I used to be bold, but yeah, I yeah, got yeah. comfortable with a- that. At least money. with
1: that step, at least with the step of sending it yeah. off Yeah. And- Seeing what happens. Girl,
0: that money, I was like, wait, how much money am I getting paid? This is great. But yeah. I actually, the funny thing is, I hated my life and everybody knew it. I had good money and I hated my life. I went out to eat a couple of times a week because I was trying to buy my own happiness yeah. and it wasn't working because I didn't make an impact. And it's, yeah. my life is not satisfactory to me if I'm not impacting people oh
1: my goodness I was I was like trying to make this profound point about how hey you know take a cup but you'll be excited and you'll but you would what, what actually happened I think is even more profound is just the idea that you know those types of resources aren't the things that satisfy us right. they're not going to fill those gaps and those voids like there's a purpose and a passion that's been placed on the inside mm-hmm. of us like you we, if we don't walk that out, especially any anybody that feels like they're artistic like you're just dying on the inside
0: oh girl I, I really was I really was Gosh. and nothing nothing could buy my way out of it i went yeah, on yeah, vacation. there wasn't enough
1: money that could
0: nothing nothing could fix it i was like this and i i didn't always have money growing up we'd have it sometimes other times we didn't yeah. i'm like this is the dream you have a solid income I'm like i don't care this is the worst and i'm hoping somebody will fire me at any moment mm-hmm. and they wouldn't <laughs> that's a funny thing they would well, not Good
1: old government <laughs>
0: yeah and um so shout out to my friend abiyomi she gave me the silliest idea when they told me to wear a suit every day she's like wear the same suit every day and I did for 11 months. And nobody Whoa. had the guts to say anything to me. <laughs> I mean, so it wasn't dumb. stinky, was it? No, so, but this is the dumb part. So it was an all-black suit with a black blouse. It was dry-clean only. I was like, I'm not dry-cleaning this every day. <laughs> yeah. I put it in the washing machine every day. No! So the pockets in the blazer were ripped. Not like, every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. The black shirt faded to gray. There was a hole in it. I said, so I'm going to wear a black tank top under it. <laughs> and that was it. nobody Nobody said anything (laughs) to you nobody because everybody was too nervous like what are you gonna say So nobody said anything for 11 months.
1: If somebody does that at a position, like, they're clearly communicating. Get me out of here. Yes, this is not, like, someone you have to be scared of. This is probably someone that needs a really good
0: conversation. Like, they need to be confronted. Like, you were screaming for it. Yeah. And no one would do it. No. That's crazy. And that's okay. But the other thing I learned, too, which I keep learning is, if you keep waiting for God to do something, sometimes you have to wait. And there are other times where you're like, I'm not going to do it. He's like, no, you have to do it. Exactly. You, You cannot, there's no sabotage. <laughs> There's no amount of sabotage
1: that you're going to be able to do that's going to fully like get you where you need to be. Like exactly. you literally have to like make that move. I was driving to work the other day and I meant to post something on Facebook, but my life be like, rah, like I told you, mm-hmm. but it was the verse, you know, like the Bible app has like a daily verse that yeah. like, pops up or whatever. And it was like, um, oh, shoot. be strong and courageous, but it was like, Oh,
0: I, wait, is it where they
1: say it like three times? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm fine I'm gonna find this joint because I know that they show you verse of the day. Okay, Psalm twenty seven fourteen. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Now the first when that popped up just that day, it was like it was like my first time seeing how opposite, like in one verse. It seems to be telling you things that are opposite each other. Mm-hmm. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. What? Hold right. on. Wait, how does it doesn't make any sense in the world? Like, am I supposed to wait and He's gonna do something? Am I supposed to be strong and courageous and I don't know, step out on fa- do something on my own? Mm-hmm. Like, what? What direction am I actually supposed to go? And it was it was the first time. Or even looking at my own life and some stuff I got going on right now where I was just like I get it like I understand like I still have to be strong and courageous like mm-hmm. I have to take that leap like you had to like you had to <laughs> you had to release yourself from mm-hmm. that position but there's still there was still there's still a waiting component in taking the leap like right. there's there's still a component where it's just like um God, God is going to step in, but there's a, there's a boldness and a courageousness and a strength that we have to exhibit in order to manifest all of that. Mm -hmm. It's what it felt like for me when I read it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this and about having that relationship with God where He speaks to you and you listen. And for me, when I talk about a relationship with God, yeah. for me it doesn't mean going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that can help build your well, that's relationship. Part of it.
1: That's not your relationship, right? With exactly. God. No. So that's why a relationship <laughs> yeah. for me
0: is when you're talking with somebody, when you're in communication with them all the yes. time. Yeah. And so for me, there are times still where I'm like, how come God won't just talk to me and tell me directly what it is He wants me to do? Mm. And I was reading in the Bible recently um, with Moses where. God was saying to the Israelites, Moses listens to me. Like Moses does what I tell him to do. And so that's why he can see me yeah and I said okay God's looking at me to be obedient for every little thing not mm. just like okay God tell me what to do with my career and I'll do that he's like but I told you to do this small thing yeah. I told you to quit complaining about this one thing and you're still talking about it so why am I going to give you this bigger thing when you didn't do the small thing you I asked you to the do small thing yeah yes. like the tiniest of things where I'm like it doesn't really matter I want to do what I want to do it's yeah. like yeah I heard you mm-hmm. so that's what I'm working out on is being obedient in these smallest of things and Every time I do that, when I get that like that feeling where God's like, pay attention, this is something I want you to work on. When I am obedient to that, then I feel another door open a little bit wider. Like, okay, here's some more information that you needed. I'll just open this up for you.
1: Yes, yes. So when did you decide to be obedient <laughs> in the small thing regarding that job?
0: So again, this is... Um I get stubborn about moving out of places, mm. and so God will put stuff in my way to be like, get out. So mm, Make it uncomfortable. Yes, and sometimes that discomfort comes through the form of a co-worker. <laughs> so I had a co-worker who would talk to me about her obsession with black men frequently, mm. and one um, of our Anglo sisters exactly okay. and i'm pretty sarcastic so that's how i would deal i'm going to clown I'm like i'm yes. not going to just be like please don't like i'm going to be making jokes the whole time and that's what oh i did my and gosh. and that's i just so many i had to grow cuz th- that's how i deal with stuff sometimes it's just humor like that's how i am yeah um and i just said why are you still sitting here like is this money really still worth it and that's when i said no it's not no, so no. i submitted to UCLA and USC for film school i was like these are two of the best if i'm going to leave all this money it- and get this training. It's got to be the best training. And I got accepted. And about a couple of weeks later, I found out my job was actually being phased out. And I was like, got Whoa. it. And God's like, you can't go back. How about that? Yeah. So And and I'm so glad that I, I trusted God and he pushed me. But I'm glad I followed. You he, made
1: the move first. Yeah. It wasn't like you had to be pushed out. Like, yeah. It's always good when you know that you were actually obedient. Right. <laughs> to, at some point before yeah. he was like,
0: look, yeah. like, I'm, I'm done. A, You're I'm, done. I'm done. Yeah. With you. yeah. So, where did you end up going? So, I went to USC, University of Southern California. Okay. Um, and that was, again, it's like nothing just comes easy. Mm. So, I had money saved up, which was great. I got to come to Atlanta and see my family uh, and then go to New York, see my sister out there, and then flew out to LA uh and i had hired movers to bring all of my things which they did and then they got to la and said oh we're charging you an additional thousand dollars like what found out like this was a moving company that just hustles people so they get your property and then once they've got it all it's like oh we're gonna charge we're gonna add some more onto it so i had to pay for that and then uh same thing happened with my car it was something crazy like just all the like silly stuff that always happens to writers too uh, so my car was supposed to be there in a week and I was like great I'll be out in California in a week three days later they're like your car's here I was like well I'm not there like how did my car get there and they're like well we'll just leave it on the street and put the key in the tailpipe nobody steals in LA it's like people steal everywhere like <laughs> you're not leaving my what? car there so I called a student who I had just met during admitted student weekend who lived there and I was like can I leave my car at your place didn't even know her that well yeah thank god she said yes. Um, so, and then my second day actually there, I was, I forgot where I was driving to, but I lived in Hollywood and I was so excited about how beautiful everything was and the palm trees and I parked my car. I was going to Kinko's FedEx for something and didn't look at the no parking sign. Cause I was too busy looking at palm trees, got my car towed <laughs> on the second day. So basically all the money that I had saved up was quickly just like, away yeah, and this,
1: and this, and that, mm-hmm. and this, and that.
0: Yes. So I'm living off of student loans. <laughs> School, However, like the experience of learning all those things, like that first semester, I woke up every day happy. And I I remember telling people I didn't know that was possible. I thought you could be satisfied. I didn't know you could really be happy in life. Mm. And it happened. And so that set the standard for me where I'm like, I'm not okay with just being satisfied. Like, no, now that I know that real happiness is something you can achieve, that's what I'm fighting for and working towards all the time.
1: Mm. So what's your favorite movie?
0: Girl, like four of them. Uh, you can't ask one. All right, one. top, top, top Ooh, four or five. So, Goodfellas. Okay. All day, every day. Okay. Um, the Artist is a silent film. This okay. is how much I love it. In the theater, there was a lady talking in front of me, and I told her to be quiet. And then I realized <laughs> that I didn't need to hear anything because it was a silent film. Uh, <laughs> it was a mess. Oh, my God. Um, Battle of Algiers, uh, which is a classic. It's black and white. Great. I gotta check that out because I, I don't know what that is yeah it's it's a revolutionary movement That's it. it's showing the Algerian people fighting against the French military invading their country but it's a people's movement um it's like one of the best um we'll leave it at that those are those are like my babies oh okay. and like just a fun one the whiz okay <laughs> okay <laughs> oh my gosh so film school you graduate mm-hmm.
1: it's awesome mm-hmm. You make some more films?
0: So I made short films. So I was in the writing program, um, separated writing, directing, producing. I wanted to have a solid foundation. I said that comes from the script. So I started with writing and I had to kind of sneak into directing classes. And this is again, like we have one teacher, Bruce Block is one of the best teachers ever Mm -hmm. in the directing program. And I said, I got to get into this class, but I haven't taken the classes I'm supposed to as a directing student. So I get into the classroom. I have a form that he has to sign. And so I just asked God, I was like, do I go up? What should I do? I got to get in this class. And I heard, be still, which is a challenge for me because I like to yeah. take yeah, action. make some I said, moves. Exactly. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I'm sitting still, very quietly, nervous the whole class. Into class, he goes, if you're here today and you have a form, just come on up and I'll sign it. And I was like, thank you, God. One of the best classes I've ever had. Um, so the writing program was two years. I stayed for three years and it took more directing classes and just started shooting things on my own. Just short films with okay. friends that were helping me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then came down here and did a music video with a friend from Warhouse that I run into. Um, who He and I collaborate on things now. Have you ever done a documentary? Never. Mm-mm. Are you interested? I am. I want to do everything. Uh, there okay. was a documentary I was interested in doing. Um, with. There was a group that I used to work with called Southern Center for Human Rights. And so they do death penalty cases and human rights cases um, in jails and prisons. Yeah. So there was one case that I worked on this person who's just a really good person who's on death row, who I believe is innocent. And I reached out to them to see if they want to do a project on him. And Not right now. Not, now's not the right time to do it, I guess for legal reasons, but that's something I want to revisit.
1: Okay. So what does life look like today, coffee <laughs> I mean, this has been quite the journey. And there's there's just so much in there as you're sharing that I hope people are grasping hold of and that they're being encouraged to pursue their own artist journey however that may look or feel or the, the road that it may take but what is it like today what describe your world today and in your journey now
0: wow um a lot of it is what i make of it when i came out of film school i thought if you are really good at your work you really work at your craft there are people that are just excited to give you money to make it that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I had to learn was I like met with a bunch of production companies and people would say, oh, we love your work. Show us what else you have later. I'm like, no, like this is great work. What do you want to mm-hmm. do with it? And a lot of times I would hear, well, n- you know this is never going to get made, but it's a really good story mm-hmm. because I don't have... All of my stories are people of color are at the center of it. Yeah. Might not necessarily be African-Americans, might be people from the Middle East, but I want to tell all of our stories. And so the thing that really changed for me was I was I had a meeting with an executive uh, at a dinner and she never showed up it's so a black woman texted me and I'm sitting there waiting to talk about what projects we could work on or yeah. what's gonna happen with my career and she just said I fell asleep and sorry I'm not gonna make it anymore and I just and I have barely had any money and had flown to LA for this meeting another one I had a meeting with another network and they just said oh so why are we meeting and I'm thinking like I took what little money I had to be able to get out here For people to waste my time this doesn't get to happen again so as i'm sitting in that restaurant i start reading interviews from spike lee and ava duvernay and i saw that they all just they were like we're gonna make our movies ourselves so that's what life is like now so i connected with a friend of mine from morehouse jeff johnson uh ran into him at homecoming and we wound up working on a music video together and it was such a good experience and i was halfway joking i said well when are we going to work on a movie together when are you going to produce one of my projects and he said when are you ready and something clicked, and I was like, oh, you! this is what you've been waiting for as a producer. You're not ready. Where's your script that you nah, can get made? So I had yes. scripts, but they were things that cost a ton of money. So I said, okay, that script that you started a year ago that might be cheap enough to actually film here, it's time to get started on that. So that's where I'm at now is uh, finishing the rewrite on this script okay. and, and getting ready to work together with this friend. That's awesome. And the art,
1: which you pulled out of your closet mm-hmm. just one day to help, deal with you know just to help with your emotions yeah. and life there's a, another stream of income you're being yes. able to kind of pull out of that as an artist talk about what's happening with painting and all yeah
0: that. so every time I write I have to kind of clear my my brain of that story and so yeah. that's where I turn to painting and also I think for creative people it's sometimes we need to see our work come alive or else it feels like you're just stuck at a computer and it's not
1: born. Right, right. So it allows you to get to kind of start to end a little faster so you can see your work in completion mm-hmm. and have, like, that completed moment. That's a great, yeah. like, I don't know. That's just, just a great tip in that, mm-hmm. like, especially for those of us working on super large projects, yes. which so many of us are to be able to have those small wins mm-hmm. along the way while you're building on something larger, that's that's huge.
0: Yeah, I have to see something tangible or else I have to have a sense of accomplishment yeah. somewhere and I got to yeah. see it. And people are buying your art. Yes, which, so I have that's to amazing. shout out the Spellman community. Thank Woo-woo, you. Seriously, Spellman. I yes. didn't take my artwork seriously until my classmates did and asked me to do a uh, painting for our reunion Yeah, and then started purchasing it like crazy. Like I sell prints of it online yeah. and that really has been able to help me Pay the bills that I do have while I'm focusing on my filmmaking. Yes, yes, I'm totally gonna get one of some little black girls and put them on our wall. Thank you. Have to. Um,
1: and iPhone cases yes. and mugs like yes. you just you're being able to put your artwork on all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. So I'll be sure that we have your website Thank and you. we'll have that po- that link posted. But go ahead
0: and shout it out for the people. Oh, now. so it's uh, my first and last name, Kafia, which is spelled like Mafia but with a K. Hi <laughs> Lee, H A I L E dot com
1: copyahiley.com y'all please 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 check it out uh check out um the film journey and then also the artwork journey thank you so what you got to say to the people like i mean you've said a lot (laughs) but i mean and you're gonna you're gonna spit that poem we're not oh we're not (laughs) (laughs) Um. okay but you know what? What's the I don't know. What's the last word for these folks, man? Because your journey is so encouraging. Thank you. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of leaps in there where you know you're you're Atlanta and then you're in DC and then you're on the other side of the world mm-hmm. and then you're back and then you're like in LA and then you know you're like making moves to create this world that works for you. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, what what do you got to say for people that are stuck? ask yourself why a lot of times I I would put up all of these fears and I would have to and I think creative people are really good at analyzing things too and we're also really good at coming up with all the reasons why things are going to fail we can Uh beat ourselves up ask yourself why so I was like oh this they're not ever going to pick me why just keep asking yourself why and like, I'm afraid, why? And when you keep asking yourself that question, when you get to the bottom of it, it's like none of those things actually exist. Mm. It's all in your head. And then and then once you finish asking all the whys, then rewrite the story mm. and say, okay, yeah, all these bad things could have happened, but here's how it also could happen. And write that story as big and as grand as, as you possibly could. And then when I finish coming up with that story, I give it to God and say, As beautiful a story as I can make up for my life, I know that your plan is even bigger than that. That's Mm. the one I want. Mm. Amen. Okay, this is A Requiem from the Front Yard. It's a response to Gwendolyn Brooks' poem, A Song in the Front Yard. I longed for the backyard all my life, but rarely made my way there. Instead, I dreamed bigger for visions of war, of visits from death and despair. Little did I know the backyard was safer, though George went to jail and Johnny May followed suit. No sand, nor mortars, nor fear abounds, and there my well-intentioned works bear fruit. But in that hot desert it will take generations, for my good works to see manifestation. Too many young ones bear witness to blood, and the horrors of war still wait to be undone. I long for the backyard all my life, curious as to what trouble I might find. Perhaps some danger, some excitement, and yet still hope. Now I mourn for the innocence the desert left behind.
1: Thank you so much, Kafia, for being a part of this show. Hey, if, if you want to see any of her artwork, you can visit the blog post that accompanies this episode on our website, uh, imsimplyartistic.com. Um, and you can also see links to her website, see all of her, the different offerings she has artistically, and also some of the projects um, that she's been working on as a screenwriter. You can also visit the website and get all the words to her poem, A Requiem from the Front Yard. I hope that you enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I hope you have an amazing New Year. Okay? Next time. Who are you? Yes, you. Who are the people listening to this podcast? I would love to hear from you please write me at Salida at IamSimplyArtistic.com. Tell me who you are and also tell me how to make it better. Be sure to visit the website at IamSimplyArtistic.com for all the links to our accounts online. Look under the About or Contact Us sections to find ways to find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, SoundCloud, and Twitter. I look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you online. This has been a Stinky Butt production. Stinky Butt.